What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and I've got special guest Daryl Edwards on the line today. He is the founder of Primal Play, and I met him on the Low Carb Cruise this year, and he just, not only is his accent super cool, but his philosophy is super cool, and I'm just excited to dive into the details with him here. How are you, man? Hey Robert, I'm I'm great. It's a pleasure to be uh, to be invited to to have a chat, and um, and thanks for the thanks for the welcome. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, for anybody that hasn't heard of of Daryl Edwards or Primal Play, give us a give us a little bio, man. Yeah. So I, I suppose um, my I try to teach people how to fall in love with movement again. So there there are many people who. Who have you know? There are some people who have the bug, have the fitness bug, who can, who are self-disciplined, who know exactly what they want from fitness and performance. But there are many more who struggle to get off the couch, who really find it difficult, or, or fitness is just about punishment for them. Mm. And um, I wanted to kind of ex- explore and let people become more aware of the fact that primarily, if you're having enjoyment from your you know pursuit of movement then you know you are able to achieve your your fitness and your your health goals and well-being goals so movement is really important you know uh, f- full stop right <laughs> it doesn't even have to be about your your level of fitness uh, we're not designed to be sedentary uh, so we need to encourage people and to to give people ways of doing that um, to make it easier for them you know, to give them a to give them an excuse to get off their couch, basically. That's the way I like to look at it, right? There were so many, there were so many reasons to stay on your couch, to, to binge watch Netflix or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to give people an, an opportunity to to have an alternative, which is think about movement when you're a kid, when you're out all day, having fun, free roaming, free ranging, and um, make that part of your adult life too. It is crazy when you think about it. I mean, I remember I grew up out in the country as a, you know, as a kid and we had acreage and I would always be outside like playing, you know, I'd pretend I was some kind of animal or something. I'd be like running through the woods as fast as I could to kind of work on agility and just like sprinting. And like as an adult, like you look, you look down on that almost like you feel like you're too old or too mature to do that. And you just totally remove that aspect of fitness from your life. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think there's it's it's kind of play is frowned upon um, because you know many of us want to be really serious about our health pursuits, right? So you want structure, you want programming, you want goals and objectives. And when you're a kid, most of your goals around physical activity was about having fun, was about using your imagination and visualization, was about hopefully getting other people involved in whatever was adventurous. So you were, your prime objectives were exploration of your environment, exploring what you could do, uh, finding fun ways of doing it. And because of that, it meant your, your components of fitness, the, the, the things you got involved in were very varied, right? You wouldn't, have a, you wouldn't have a resistance day of play and then a cardio day and then, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, bicep and tricep day right you would you would just play games which will give you full body workout or play out <laughs> more, mm-hmm. more appropriately or muscle groups 
you work on balance and agility and coordination. You know, you'd work on strength because you might piggyback carry someone. You know, you'd climb a tree, so you wouldn't do a pull-up. You'd be climbing instead. You know, you'd be jumping, you'd be crawling. You're playing things like tag and catch. So there's this exploration of natural instinctive movement, primal movement, which I think is very important, regardless of, of age, regardless of our goals. We were designed to move in a particular way. And just as there, you could argue there's a species-appropriate diet, you know, there's a diet that is optimal for humans. I would argue that there's a movement, uh, there are movement patterns which are optimal for humans too. Um, and we need to treat it almost like a, a diet of movement. Like, you know, you need to partake in certain movement patterns to to improve your health and well-being. Were you, uh, and it needs to be well-balanced. Were you one of the individuals that, that did not enjoy, like, a formatted training regimen, um, like lifting weights or a specific sport and kind of gravitated more towards the play just naturally? Or you just did not like uh, a structured routine yourself? Well, I, I mean, my background was actually working in technology, in investment banking. So so I was a bit of a geek and a nerd. Um, and maybe if I hadn't been a jock, I probably would have felt a bit more relaxed being in a gym environment. Mm-hmm. You know, I probably would have gravitated towards that more. But I was just very sedentary. My career, I was 16 hours, 18 hours a day at a desk, surrounded by computer screens, got breathless, taking a couple of flights of stairs. Right, that was my, you know, that that was me. And, and because of it, I got really sick, you know, eating poorly, moving poorly, I got really sick. Once I realized that physical activity is one of the things that would get me better, I joined the gym, I started doing, you know, I started doing CrossFit or a, a, a derivative of CrossFit back in the early 2000s. And I got phenomenally strong and fit. You know, I went from deadlifting, you know, like 50, I, I'm going to say this in kilos, uh, I'll try and convert to pounds on the fly. But, you know, I went from deadlifting like 120 pounds in my first deadlift and feeling really proud about it to deadlifting like 550 pounds. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I went from not being able to do a pull-up to be able to doing like 20, 30 strict dead hang pull-ups. You know, I, I became really fit. I had no idea I had this ability to be really physically uh, literate, right? So I was winning, I was winning, beating my peers at certain workouts. Um, I recognized that I wasn't as weak as I believed that I was. So I had a, almost a baptism of fire I went from a very weak adult um, and somebody with a history of not moving very much to then kind of being addicted to working out, you know, uh, to hard workouts, high intensity, Olympic lifting. That's, I went into that sort of environment. But then um, the problem for me was I was already in a very stressed environment at work. I then took on board a very stressful environment in a gym and I probably wasn't focused um, enough on recovery and rest and enjoyment. I was only pursuing probably the hardest workouts that I could do. If I had 40 minutes in the gym, I had to make the most of that 40 minutes. Uh, it didn't matter what I did the day before. It just meant, you know, <laughs> so so I wasn't, I wasn't using proper periodization. I wasn't really using proper programming. Mm-hmm. And even though I was getting fitter, 
I was getting, I was increasing my risk of injury. Um, I was starting to overtrain and under rest. And then I started to hate my workouts. So I went from loving that environment and loving the results to kind of going, I'm not so happy with this anymore. Um, I can't see myself motivating myself for 10, 20, 30 years uh, working out this way. And the light bulb moment for me was thinking about what I enjoyed doing when I was a kid. So when I was a kid and I wasn't in quotes exercising, I had a great time with movement. I had so much fun. Like, I mean, it's just incredible. When I think about the amount of fun I had in one day back, <laughs> back when I was a kid being outdoors, um, I would love to replicate that as an adult, right? Kind of innocent enjoyment, you know, not always innocent, I should say, but most cases it was innocent enjoyment of my env environment with my friends, having fun and not thinking about muscle soreness, you know, the, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like my friends didn't come out and say, Hey, you're going to come out and play. And I'd be like, Hey, you know what? I don't feel like playing today because I've got DOMS and muscle soreness. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, or I, I worked out, I played out so hard one day that I was out for the count for a few more days. Right. So, there was something that was rewarding and healthy about that pursuit. And now, interestingly, now that I've I've now kind of replaced hard workouts with hard playouts, I'm more stronger and fitter now than I've ever been, which is really interesting. You know, so even though I don't, for example, I don't deadlift, I don't go into gyms and do deadlifts, but I'll I'll pick people off the ground. I'll lift logs and rocks and I'll push cars and I'll do stuff like that. And um, when I have gone into the gym and to test my one rep max or been challenged to do so, I'm lifting far more than I've ever than I ever did when I was actually training in a in, in a you know programmable fashion. Oh, really? It's like your deadlifts, so, like as a so for me, a, your deadlifts have increased. Yeah. So my one rep max, my one rep max was um, when I was deadlifting training deads. Uh, for one rep maxes, I was I was deadlifting around um, four about 485 was my one rep max yeah, pounds. I'm not built for deadlifts. I've got really long arms. I've got long legs. I'm not really built for deadlifts. Um, but, but you know, I, I had a pretty respectable dead deadlift. So that's that's about you know over two uh, twice body weight mm -hmm. um, deadlift, right? Uh, um, but now I'm about I'm about two and a half times. And I literally have probably only deadlift, Olympic bar deadlifted three times in the last probably six, seven years. That's um, impressive, So I, don't, I just don't train. I haven't trained deadlifts. Um, but the last time, sometimes I'll, I will do workshops in, in, in gyms or boxes and I'll be asked, you know, oh, we see you playing around on your videos. You don't seem very strong, you know. <laughs> um, you know. So I've, I've kind of been tested a few times and I'll go, okay, I'll, I'll try a deadlift, but I'm not promising anything, but... As long as I can do my previous personal best, I'll be happy. And usually I'm lifting more. I don't ask them. I don't ask for the total weight. I'll just say load the bar and I'll, I'll give it a try. And if I do it, great. If not, great. Um, so I think even just the fact that I haven't, I don't set myself any any limits by 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 looking focusing on the number. Even that in itself probably made me uh, has made me stronger. You know. Um, and probably the, the fact that I don't fear failing a lift is also not a problem for me. 
So before I would have been, I would have been thinking, I need to know the number. I need to know that I've previously been able to do it. You know, I need to make sure I don't show, uh, I don't lose face in front of my peers. Now I'm like, I don't really care. You know, as long as I'm functionally, I believe I'm functionally strong uh, um, and I can do what I need to do day to day and I can do some extraordinary stuff every once in a while, I feel pretty good about that fact. There's a lot to be said for um, that, man. A so, lot of people will, will they'll get in their head with regard to the weight and it totally psychs them out and they lose so much strength psychologically, which then carries over to them physically. Whereas like if you if you can have somebody else load the bar and you just focus on the movement, I mean you can lift exponentially more weight unless you train yourself to, you know, be okay with failing, which is something that I've tried to work on. And it's hard, it's not easily done, but when you can get to that point, I mean, then you don't have to worry about psyching yourself out. Yeah, exactly. And I think that this is the thing about failure, uh, um, which it, again, it took me, it took me a while to kind of realize that failure is, is education, right? Failure is a learning experience. So, you know, from one day to the next, even within the same day, you may, you may not hit a certain lift, but you know, you can go and have a, couple of deep breaths, come back, boom, you can lift it. You know, you could do attempt something in the morning that you, you know, the bar doesn't even come off the ground and in the evening you're good to go, right? And whether that's, you know, you might be warmer, you know, warmed up a bit, you might be more psychologically ready, prepared, doesn't matter what the reason is. We know there's more to our physiology than just the physical aspect, right? We know that the brain and the mind has a significant bearing on what we're able to do. And, you know, when I, again, thinking about in a childish, in a, in a kind of not childish, in a childlike way, right? If you think about our, our superheroes, if you think about how powerful these individuals are, right? As powerful as they are, and my, my favorite superhero, one of them was Superman, for example, right? He was, he was, he, he was my, one of my favorite superheroes. And, uh, but even someone like Superman, his weaknesses are what make him um, who, who he is, mm-hmm. right? Like you appreciate him that somebody so powerful still has these flaws, right? And there is nothing he can do about them. You know, he can't, <laughs> he can't train to compensate for his weaknesses. And I think, I think that's a lesson. I mean, I literally only realized this probably a couple of years ago. Like I had a, a, a never light bulb moment thinking, hold on a second, like, even in the fitness world, we're often telling people, you know, train your weaknesses, like, you know, uh, compensate for your weaknesses. And and uh, and there are some weaknesses, there are some parts of it which are like kryptonite that we can't do anything about. Right. You'd be you're far better. You're far better off, in my opinion, working on exploiting your strengths, kind of uh, weaknesses that you can develop, work on those. But the true kryptonite we have. You know, maybe you just need to say to yourself, that's just not my strength. And there's no point me investing a lot of time and energy into something where I'm going to get such a minimal, minimal benefit. I 100% right? so agree, 100% agree. He just needs to avoid kryptonite. Yeah. <laughs> you see that a lot like you know, in the like, educational system too. I mean, people like in education, they'll, they'll like, like little kids, you know, elementary students, you know, they'll, their parents will criticize them for you know, the C's and the D's they get in a certain class or subject matter more so than they'll congratulate them for the A's and B's they get. And then it, it's 
they they try and average people out and as a result people just become averages whereas if they you know exponentially focused on their strengths and they could become they could truly excel at what their passion is and what their natural skill set is yeah i i think that's a really that's a great point you know life um you know we should be celebrating our strengths and we should be paying less attention to our weaknesses because we all have them right we all have flaws and so you know and we all have difficulty acknowledging them right no one likes to have flaws no one likes to have weakness weaknesses um, and and i tell you what like once i recognize you know even in the physical realm there are certain things that i'm just not built for right i mean it just doesn't matter you know i, I you know it just doesn't matter what i do there's always going to be a limitation so I, I, I do want to be in some respects, I'm happy to be a jack of all trades and master of none because by doing so, what I'm naturally gifted at, what I'm naturally have a leaning or stronger uh, attributes for, that will just come out of the, that will just come out of the woodwork, right? Without me trying that much. And the stuff that I want to be better at, I'm going to have to put a bit more graft in because it's not natural for me to do so. But me trying to be a, a jack of all trades means I'm, I'm a well, more balanced human being physically. It also means that mentally I'm better balanced because I'm trying to distribute what, what I believe to be important for my health, for my functional fitness. Um, and you know, that's why I wrote the book Animal Moose, for example, because even with looking at the animal kingdom, humans are absolutely appalling at specialist movement in other words like i can't sprint very fast in comparison to a cheetah right usain bolt can't even out sprint a camel right yeah. you know wild sheep can out usain bolt you know at, you know uh somebody i know who appreciates lifting lifting heavy stuff right i don't know if i can say the other s word but lifting heavy stuff right um mm. Ants can lift up to a hundred times their body weight. I mean, that's strong, right? Yeah. Human beings are pretty weak when you think about it, right? We, we know we celebrate lifting two, three times our body weight, and we're like, wow, you know, the the world. What's his name? The the the, the world uh, deadlift champion. Um, yeah, I should know because he's British, right? Um, but anyway, I've forgotten his name. Um, Eddie Hall, mm -hmm. right? So he's the he's the you know, he can lift over a thousand pounds. First person to hit over a thousand pounds in a deadlift. And he's, he's, he's eclipsed that now. But imagine, he's only lifting like probably five times his body weight, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. You know, like not even not even that, probably three times his body weight or something like that, that he's, he's, he's lifting. Um, so, and you could do that in, in every single comparison of the animal kingdom. Like fleas jumping compared to their, their size, you know, dolphins swimming in comparison to human beings to swim. We, we just don't do very well. But we do really well, well, remarkably well, at being jack of all trades because we can do all those things that animals can do, but we just can't do them very well, right? So we can sprint and jump and climb and lift and carry and crawl and, you know, walk great distances, you know, run great distances. We can, we can do all this sort of stuff. But when we train with, with our movement capability, we tend to focus on one or two areas that we love or that we're really good at. And at the expense of all the other stuff that one day we might need, you know, we might need that capability, right? 
There's a um, lot to be I, said for I, functional I, movement, man. I mean, like, like, like I'm a bodybuilder, so I train in a bodybuilding setting, and you know, I appreciate the powerlifters that have like three primary lifts that they focus on, and everything else is secondary. But at the same time, I mean, functional strength, functional movement, like if you can deadlift a thousand pounds but you're not able to simply climb up a, a mountaintop to to see the view i mean that's i mean there's a lot to be said for functional movement people need to put that on a priority list as well yeah i think you know like in, in your case there's a you know or like say somebody who's an elite athlete or or, or an athlete full stop you know you've got to you've got to focus on specificity right you've got to focus on what's going to give you the best uh output for the work you're putting in, right? So for you as a bodybuilder, you've got to train in a certain way. There's lots of science, there's lots of research, there's lots of evidence that training in a particular way works, will get you into the shape you need to be, will get you competition ready, right? And you know you know how many hours, how many weeks you need to spend in a certain type of training, uh, pro, you know, kind of cycle to get the results you want. But for myself, thinking about you know, I'm going to be, you know, I've been, well, how can I put it? I've been 30, I've been 30 years old for nearly 20 years, right? So my, what I'm starting to think about now is the next decade and a decade after that, right? So I'm thinking about health and longevity. Uh, and so my, my values have shifted somewhat. So I am thinking, I am thinking much more about being a generalist because my peers, some people my age or older you know, they're thinking about just getting out of bed without being in pain, you know, or being able to, you know, carry shopping bags, you know, like, you know, just the basics of functional living. You know, there are, you know, there are people not much older than I who are already asking themselves those questions. So um, I have to be focusing on my prescription being a generalist one. No, so I'm not that. anti uh you know, specific adaptation at all, because again, that's why humans have uh, performed these amazing feats of whatever it is, you know, whether it's sportsmen, whether it's aesthetics, whether it, whatever it is, you know, it's amazing what, what the human body has been able to achieve, right, in so many different ways and disciplines. But for the mere mortals, um, you know, more of us need to be f focusing much more on what we need to do to, do to get to be functional day to day, because as you say, there are some people who can deadlift, you know, a significant amount of iron, but you ask them to go for a walk, or go for a hike in the woods, and they're like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're winded, you know, after a few minutes, right? You know, so so that's not healthy, in my opinion. I agree. You know, um, or somebody who can run great distances. I remember tra training somebody some once who was an ultra marathon runner and uh, his training his training runs he'd do like a, a couple of back-to-back -back marathons on some of his training days i mean ridiculous what he was able to do but i remember once training with him saying you know what let's let's actually try a sprint and i swear to you he couldn't run faster than a medium paced jog his body was so efficient at steady state and literally not you know not burning any excess apart from just reserve conserving enough energy to go for you know 50 miles a 50 mile run right 60 miles 70 miles run that he couldn't sprint 
And I was just like, when you, if you were in a, a life or death situation, right, it's not often that would mean having to run 50 miles. Right. But you being able to sprint 50 meters, 100 meters, 200 meters, that could, that could be a life-saving moment, right? Getting yourself out of a serious danger right now. Get, up, get the heck out of there type of situation. Running for a marathon is not going to help you in that situation, right? Yeah. A fast sprint is. This guy could not sprint. I mean, and I was like, is this, surely you're just, come on, just put a bit more effort in. And his body just couldn't, he was so well trained in his, in his craft, he, he couldn't sprint. So, so there's some, you know, but for him, he realized it's not a problem for him because he wanted to be one of the best in the world at ultra distance running. So that was the price he was willing to pay. But um, I wouldn't be. Right? <laughs> so I'd rather be able to run a few miles. I'm happy to run a couple of miles, two or three miles, and feel okay about that. But I don't see a need to have to run any further than that. I don't think I'm going to get any more benefit. Um, I do see the need to be able to sprint 100 meters or 50 meters. I do see the ability to be able to lift something really heavy or carry my partner if they've fallen over or, do you know what I mean, or push my car if it's broken down or, you know, uh, or I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I agree, man. It's um, I can it's, see some. It's crazy. You look at some of the people out there nowadays and you don't ever want to think in terms of like life in this situation or like doomsday or anything like that. But, you know, you, you look around at your fellow fellow neighbor and it's like if, if if things went downhill real quick and we needed to be able to perform to survive, then I'm not feeling too optimistic about the majority of the people out there, you know? Yes, yes. And it, it's getting, you know, I mean, the last time I was in the U.S., uh, I mean, when we, when we when we saw each other, we, we were in, in Texas. And um, I don't know if you stayed at the, at the, the hotel that the, most of the conference individuals staying at, but... Um, I ventured out from the hotel to get some food and stuff. So I went to a shopping mall about 20, 20 uh, minutes away. And it was, I mean, it was upsetting, to be honest. Like, I went to this shopping, to this supermarket, and um, there must have been about 30 or 40 mobility scooters in the, at the entrance. Right? I've never seen so many in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, in my entire life, I saw them in that in the entrance way, right? There were so many people who were walking from the. I mean, I, I can understand people have disabilities, right? But there were some people who walked from their car without any problems at all, like no assistance, no walking stick needed, nothing, no scooter needed, walking from their cars, who then got into the mobility scooter and decided they need to shop shop in their mobility scooter. So for some people, you know they just feel you know what i just i walked from my car you know 100 yards that's it for me you know i want to i want to put my feet up now in the mobility scooter and then get something to pack my shopping for me and something to take to my car you know do you know what i mean like you know we're we're not we're taking sometimes convenience a little bit too far oh we're taking it way Uh, too far man uh, like it's it's and i saw a lot of sad yeah (laughs) yeah it, it it is sad and and um um, and, you know, again, you know, you, I sympathize with those or empathize with those who don't have any choice, right? There are people who are injured. There are people who have, you know, uh, 
situations, conditions that they, they can't do anything about. But when you're able-bodied, when you have the option to be able to take the stairs, but you always say, you know what, I'm always going to take the elevator. I'm always going to take the escalator. There may be a time that you won't have the option to be able to take the stairs, right? You may, your muscles may atrophy. You may lose it because you haven't used it. Mm-hmm. And so we need to encourage more people just to use what we've been given, you know, what nature's provided for us, whatever that is. Uh, we need to make more use of it because once we truly lose that ability because of a lack of usage, uh, there's no, there's very little chance of going back. Um, so, um, yeah, Absolutely. so hopefully we've, I think we've <laughs> you, you, you had uh, one slide in your presentation that was, was really quite comical. It was, um, a warning sign with the symbol of a man walking. And you said you only see that in the States because everywhere else it's pretty typical to see people walking. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, I've, I'm pretty well traveled. I've traveled the world and, you know, you, you know, you, you go to, you'd have to travel the world to see signs telling you about certain types of wildlife, right? You know, like watch out for the deer or, or bears or rabbits or, you know, you, you see those road signs quite often, right? And so this was the first time I saw, <laughs> I saw like the sign of a man walking and obviously cars were being told, you know, watch out for pedestrians, mm-hmm. right? And, and, um, and it was like, uh, you know, I felt like David Attenborough for a minute when I saw this sign, like, you know, there's this, there's this like rare species, you know, of homo, homo sapien yeah. uh, who's walking in the 21st century. <laughs> America. It's right? pretty comical. I mean, you could, you could <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. It's tragic. It's tragic, but comical at the same time. And I was walking. I don't know if you remember the rest of the story, but I, I basically was at a conference. And I decided to walk. It was about probably, I don't know, 60 minutes walk to the, to the conference hotel from where I was staying in an, in an Airbnb. And um, I did that every morning and every evening. And I remember remember thinking, you know, I want to see how many people I see walking, right? And I didn't, you know, I didn't see anyone. I mean, you know, I saw people getting out of their homes, going to their cars, but I didn't see any pedestrians. Um, and, you know, this was in the middle of summer, you know, where kids should have been out playing. I remember asking an, ad, an adult who did walk from his car, you know, his home to his car and said, oh, you know, where are the... Where are the kids? And I remember thinking, they that probably sounds like a bit of a dodgy question, right? Where are the yeah. kids? Uh, <laughs> um, but but like he was like, the kids are inside playing on their tablets or computer games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, what about, what did you used to do when you were young? And he was like, yeah, 20 years ago, I'd be out playing. You know, we all were out playing, right? So I assumed the kids were at, at summer camp and that's why they weren't playing. Or, you know, and this is a really safe neighborhood. It wasn't like, you wouldn't want your kids to be out, right? Really safe, wonderful neighborhood in the middle of Iowa. And um, these kids weren't outside. You know, no one was outside. And then you see this signpost, and then you see things like drive up ATMs, which I also hadn't seen. I hadn't seen those in, in, in Europe. Only in, the, only in the US have I seen drive up ATMs. And there were signs celebrating the launch of ATMs on the forecourt. And I'm like, surely if you can drive to your bank, you can walk another 20 yards to get inside the bank, right? I mean, like, like 
I can understand convenience, but sure, I mean, surely uh, that's taking it a bit too far. So, you know, I wish I was a script writer because I, I would love to write a documentary and on, on that experience of of kind of sedentary man but um but at the same time it's so serious that we are the environment is engineered in a way that makes us feel really comfortable being so sedentary you know and we're suffering health problems because of it right yeah absolutely and that, the sad that's thing is thing. that's yeah. that's the norm now you know that's not like the exception to the rule that's that that's the norm yes it is it is it, it's it's the norm and it's becoming um, you know, they, what's the expression, you know, when, um, when America sneezes, the rest of the world catches a cold, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and it's, it's a bit like that, you know, we, we're, even in the UK, I mean, I live in London and fortunately we're, it's a very pedestrianized city, right? We have lots of public transport. You see millions of people walking all of the time, right? I go out my front door, people are just walking. Um, people tend to abandon their cars at home because... It's just it takes forever to get where you want to get to, right? You're better off walking. So you, you go to places where pedestrianization isn't that isn't prioritized that much, and you see people tend to be there tends to be more issues with people who are overweight and obese, right? There seems to be there's a correlation for sure. You know, the more active you are, you know, the less like you know, the more likely to, you are to have improvements in your body composition, even if you're not arguably not eating an optimal diet um you know there are changes significant changes in your body composition just by using it so so i think you know as we're shifting more towards questioning what we should be doing around food and the supplies of food and and you know big food is is a, is problematic but but i i believe i don't know there isn't there isn't such a thing as big furniture right but yeah. you know we need to be questioning society's predisposition for convenience you know why are we you know why are we driven to want to sit down all the time you know why are office environments all about sitting um why don't we encourage people to be more active incidentally right you have to go to work but let's create an environment where you know let's have a meeting let's all stand and chat in our meetings you know let's let's have standing desks but for more of our more employees, let's, let's have those options. Yeah, what, instead what, of making chairs some, that are more comfortable, right? Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. What What are some like when you were on the the low carb cruise? You went through a couple of demonstrations of different types of exercises people could do. You know, with no equipment, like playing exercises where people could, you know, burn some calories, get some movement, you know, loosen up the joints. What are some? I just kind of ramble off some. Of course, it's probably better demonstrated than spoken, but what are some good, you know, movements that people can do? What are some good activities that people can do if they're not like an avid gym goer and they just want to, or even if they are, just 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 to get out and move? Yeah, so I'm, I mean, I'll, I'll give a few examples uh, that people can go to my website website and try them out. It's very difficult to talk about movements without, you know, it's better to have a dip demonstration, right? So one is I play a version of tag, which is more suitable for adults. So it's like a it's like a close quarter uh, version of tag. You stand very close to each other and say you only tag between the hip and the knee and you play simultaneously. And it almost looks like you're play fighting. It's almost like a very tame 
roughhousing scenario and people tend to start laughing right away and you you have to focus on being really quick and accurate and um, you know it's kind of three-dimensional movement so that's one game that I really love to play and people tend to to enjoy it too it resonates with people because we've all had some experience of chasing games when we were kids and it, it's something that's part of our DNA in my opinion um, a couple of other games one's called one's a tug of war right but it's a tug of war without using a rope without having to have many people involved it's just a one-on-one so you you literally uh, hand shake grip your partner or buddy grip you know holding each other's forearms and you put each other one way or the other and the person who wins is the person who can pull you forward a couple of couple of yards couple of meters that's a that's a great way for people to to uh, focus on functional strength and that's you know, that's good for like, no real like a row movement so you're gonna be doing all your back movements you're gonna have to use your stabilizers your legs your glutes i mean that's hitting all the muscles yes all hitting everything i mean everything from your fingertips to your to the bottom of your feet right so all the major muscles are going to be used for sure you know the shoulders the, the triceps the pulling muscles the you know the back the lats the traps they're all going to be used the lower back there's going to be some there's going to be some twisting the stabilizer is going to be working you know so the core is going to be very very active and firing the glutes are going to be firing the hamstrings the posterior chain is going to be going to be firing um so pretty much there's not really much you can ignore in that sort of movement pattern and it's also multi-plane multi-plane our movement as well so it's not just going to be sagittal plane there's going to be some frontal plane as you shift to the side there's going to be some transverse plane because there's going to be some rotation as you're as you're kind of pulling uh pulling your partner so i really love the tug of war and it's something where you can you can achieve almost maximal strength with that feeling as if you are, because you've always got this counter resistance. Uh, so that's one of my one of my favorite games. Um, and the third one, I think, which is really important for for adults to do, especially, is it's a crawling pattern. So something like a bear crawl. And if you want to make it more more challenging, you can obviously add resistance, wear a weighted vest or something like that, or bear crawl down the stairs or up the stairs or up an incline. Um, and most people, regardless of level of fitness, you'll be gassed in seconds. You go, you go full tilt up a couple of flights of stairs in a bear crawl, really good form. I, I guarantee most people will be like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's high intensity. It's a contralateral movement, quadrupedal. So it's all four limbs. The brain gets challenged with coordination in doing that. Once you get to the top, you're feeling good. Try going backwards, back down the stairs, say. So, so these animal forms are becoming more popular because we're recognizing that there were so many benefits, not just physically, but mentally too. The brain lights up. When you look at MRI scans of the brain, fMRI scans of the brain undertaking certain different types of movements, these cross-body movements, these quadrupedal movements, light up significant areas of the brain. So, um, yeah, those are, those are three that that people who are, may still not be unsure what I'm talking about, they can go to the website, which is primalplay.com, and they can see some of these movements being demonstrated and more eloquent descriptions of how to partake in them. Yeah, no, for sure, man. That's that's, that's a really good. Definitely check that out because, I, I mean, you were demonstrating it, you know, on the cruise, and it made sense. Like, I could see how all the muscles were firing. One thing that I'm going to start doing that's it's probably a little bit on the dangerous side, but I like I like a little bit of risk is... I'm going, I live in the mountains, 
So there's a lot of really steep mm -hmm. drop-offs in the woods, like on hiking trails, like just total, like super steep drop-offs. And when I was a kid, I would just like sprint down those things as fast as I could. And you get really good at like, you know, gauging your hand-eye coordination. You know, if you need to like brace yourself on a tree or swing from something, you can. Like avoiding sticks and pitfalls as you're running. Like that to me... I mean, as far as like a hand-eye coordination and just working on agility and stabilization and, and balance, I mean, that is probably the most functional way I know to incorporate them. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great way. I mean, you know, some people do, you know, people do trail run, right? Mm -hmm. But they tend to, again, they tend to focus on these, these great distances, probably stay mainly on the flats, you know, um, they, they focus on safety, you know, and it's minimized risk. But what you're talking about is, again, that's the sort of thing you would have done. Can you imagine saying to yourself as kids, let's just run in a straight line for as long as we can, right? Who would have, I mean, what kid would have suggested that? And even if somebody did, how many other kids would have said, yeah, what a great idea? You telling a group of kids, you know, one kid saying, hey, let's run down this, let's run down the side of this hill or this mountain as quickly as we can. And, you know, we've got to make sure we've got to we've got to stay safe and stay in our, you know, stay in our feet. And, you know, that that's exciting. Right. That's mm -hmm. an adrenaline rush. That's something that's challenging. That will never be the same if you do it twice. Right. You, you know, it's almost like a new experience every single time. Absolutely. And, and I think that that's the play spirit right there. It's not necessarily about just playing games. It's what about you, you, you know, taking some chances with, yeah. with what your body can and do taking some risks hopefully calculated risks what do you, know, you tell you don't want to be injured adults but, um, yeah. i mean like a lot of adults you know they they they, they don't let themselves do that because they're worried and they're embarrassed they're like self-conscious like they don't want people to see them doing something so quote-unquote unorthodox like what kind of psychological emotional hurdle do i mean what, what, what do you tell people that are like don't want to, you know, make a fool of themselves, so to speak, when in reality, I mean, you shouldn't see that as foolish in the first place, but, you know, with the stigma that people have towards mm -hmm. activities and exercise, like, what do you tell people? Um, you know what, I would just say, find, find something that's irresistible to you in terms of what you would enjoy doing. So that, that might be, um, you know, for me, that tends to be when no one's, no one's at home, right? I'll put on my favorite music from the, the 70s and 80s, right? And I'll dance to something and I'll pretend I'm the best dancer in the world, right? And no one can see, no one can laugh at me. I can be, you know, the worst dancer ever, but it doesn't matter, right? I'm having fun. I've got a smile on my face. You know, it might be when I was on the cruise ship, for example, um, I played dodgeball, right? There was a dodgeball tournament. And I was like, I haven't played dodgeball since I was since I was at school. And I have no idea if I can play, you know, we'll do a good job or not. But I have to play that game because it is so much fun. And the good thing is there are other people there who are also going to have fun, right? So so if you have, if you're doing it by yourself, I would just say close the door, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and until you feel comfortable about doing it in the open, right? Um, and then, and the second is if you're in a group, and you all did make the decision to kind of act act like fools based on what convention tells you, then you're in a good space, right? If you and your friend say, hey, you know what, wouldn't it be great to play dodgeball or to play a game of tag or to climb a tree? 
So when I do my group activities in, in London, when we first, as adults, when we first started climbing trees, we would get, it's amazing how many people would be saying, what are you doing, you know, climbing trees, it's disgusting, like you're, you're damaging the tree, it's blah, blah, blah. And then after a while, people start saying to you, what are you guys training for? You know, can we join you? You know, what, <laughs> why are you doing this? It looks so much fun. Right? It doesn't take long for people to, to realize that they're the ones who are actually strange. Mm-hmm. Right? That, that at one point, you know, I think it was something like 1968, 69 was the advent of jogging. Right? Jogging didn't exist before that time. There, was no, there wasn't even, a, there wasn't even a, a verb to jog. Didn't exist. Right? There weren't running shoes for jogging or jogging shoes even. It wasn't a recreational pastime. So can you imagine the first person who you saw jogging? You'd probably be going, what's that person running away from? There's no one else running. It's not an organized event. Right? Yeah. What's the, why, is, why is that guy or girl running? What they're running away from? It would look strange. You'd be, you'd be asking yourself some questions. You'd be like, what's that? He looks a bit of an idiot, right? Until you realize, no, there are other people doing it too. So that's that's how I felt when I was one of the first people to bear crawl in my local park, right? And or to climb trees or to jump, you know, balance walk on fences and stuff or railings. No, I love but it. But trust man. me, you in a short space of time, it's amazing how many people are are doing the same. And actually, I've even got a better answer for you. Look at the growth in things like obstacle course racing. Mm-hmm. You know, we now have a sanctioned adult version of a, an adventure playground, right, for kids, but in adult form. And I think in some respects, I've probably gone too far because now you can get electric shocks and stuff like that and ice cold water after your 10K run. I mean, you know, they, they, they realize that fun isn't enough. You've got to punish yourself as well. Yeah. <laughs> right? But I think there's enough punishment in life. Sometimes, you know, let's have a bit of de-stressing from our play out regimen just have some fun have you believe seen me, the, you can the parkour still get... i think it's pronounced yes right. i mean parkour. exactly like, that's that's super cool yeah. like, it's amazing yeah parkour is another great example of people just you know uh, educated risk training uh, you know for certain eventualities you know, I mean, I need to climb, I need to jump, I need to sprint, I need to run, I need to navigate across through different obstacles, and so yeah, th- these are all influences that I that I use. Um, and again, you know, you just don't want to you don't want to push it too far, right? So I want to be able to do parkour like stuff, but I don't want to risk breaking bones every single time I do it, right? Yeah, you exactly. know, there's a there's a way you can you can achieve some of that without breaking yourself, and it's a bit like yourself, right? You can't go into the gym and every single time expect to, to beat your previous lifts, right? To always increase your volume every single time. You have to deload. Mm-hmm. You have to have some decent recovery. You have to make sure you're training muscle groups in the right order and, you know, with enough recovery periods in between. Because if you don't, you're going to break yourself. So I think, you know, we can be intelligent about this. That's what I think adulthood has given us that wisdom that we can be childlike in our exploration of movement and having fun, but we also have the additional knowledge of like, you know what? There are times when I need to know, no, I can, I need to stop this. Ego doesn't, isn't important. I right. don't need to show off. 
you know <laughs> you know I, um, agree. I just need to be able to to improve and develop um and you know if you show off not to the detriment of your ability to be able to perform next time right you know oh you know i'm going to go for that jump i can only do two meters normally but that's a two and a half meter but i'm going to go for it because people are watching and the camera's on and then boom twist an ankle really yeah. just because you had to show you know you know what i'm saying so 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 i think there's something about um i now recognize the true beauty of play is this getting that innocence again Getting that, waking up in the morning thinking, wow, you know, I, I go to my local park, which is my my gym, right? It's my local park. And almost every time I go there, it's like a new gym. You know, it's mm. like, you know, like I, I see something different that I haven't seen before. You know, there's a, there's a tree I haven't climbed or there's somebody I haven't seen for a while. I'm like, hey, do you mind if I fireman carry you and go for a sprint? Are you crazy? Yeah, I am. <laughs> you know what I mean, you're going that way. I just want to carry you for a while. And I, you know, so it, it it's like why why not? You know, why not give that a try? So uh, yeah, I'm just having I'm just having more fun with movement than ever before. Um, I've become more playful, and whilst I maintain a really good health profile, and whilst I feel that I'm maintaining really good strength and fitness and mobility and coordination all, all the stuff that i want from fitness then i'm in a good place you know i don't need to be wondering or worrying whatever anyone else is doing i agree um, man i, I think, don't have to um, envy men's yeah, health i think you know <laughs> what you're saying there i mean people shouldn't look at their physical activity or their exercise their movement as a negative like some that's what makes it unsustainable in the first place like people don't sustain a workout regimen because they're not having fun with it so being able to find something that they enjoy, uh, you know, even if like that, that's a constantly evolving thing, like it, as long as they're enjoying the process and enjoying whatever their chosen, you know, degree of activity is, that's, that's paramount. Um, 100%, man. Yes. There, there's one more thing. Yeah, for I, sure. I really I mean, can you imagine? Here. I mean, I don't know how much time. No, sorry. Go ahead. No, sorry. No, I, I interrupted you. Sorry, Robert. No, I, I was going to – there's one more thing that you talked about at, at the, the cruise that I really wanted to, to let you just open up on, and that was the the quality of the food you eat. Kind of totally switching gears and going to nutrition now, but you really – you seem to really become uh, passionate when you were talking about, you know, where your food comes from, the quality of the food that you're consuming, and I wanted to let you kind of run with that for a second. Yes. So, I mean, I, I think um, regardless of the of the, the protocol you follow, um, I think it's really important to weigh, to factor in the quality of the foods too. So whether it's, uh, you know, whether, it's your, whether you're focusing on just the macronutrients, so if you're focusing on, you know, yeah, you know, your fats and your, your low carb and your proteins, then you want to be getting the best quality proteins you can. You want to get in the best quality fats that you you can um whatever carb carbohydrates you consume you want to get the best quality carbohydrates you're consuming because there's you know um the nutrients that you want to get from food right if you have if you get foods from um soil that's been depleted of nutrients that plant is going to have no nutrients if you're eating beef that's being cooped up in a factory lot doesn't see deadlight daylight doesn't move that animal is going to be, you know, pumped full of antibiotics and growth hormone. You're going to be taking on board that growth hormone. 
you're going to be taking on board the antibiotics. You're going to be taking on board whatever the animal was fed. So I think it's important that you have to have have an awareness of where your food comes from. How was it prepared? What were, what was the animal fed? How were those plants? You know, you know, are they organic or, or not? What's the nutrient profile? What's the nutrient density of what you're consuming? And so when you give people blanket messages like, I don't know, for example, yeah, eat as much fat as you want. doesn't matter. Well, actually, it probably does matter, right? Because there's a difference between, say, trans fats. There's a difference between poor quality rancid fats. You know, there's a difference between industrialized seed, seed oils than there is extra virgin olive oil, right? You know, there's a difference between lard that comes from a pig that's been fed, you know, frankly rubbish all the time uh, as opposed to pastured you know pork right so there's a there's a difference in 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 the animal makeup of that animal and it's very arrogant i think of humans to say it's only important for us as humans like that what we eat is important (laughs) but but what our animals eat that we then decide to eat it's not important for them Uh, it's really important so uh, you know i follow a kind of a paleo type doctrine so i do i do think food quality is really important I do think nutrient density is important. I do think the where our food comes from is important. And and the caveat is, of course, it's based on your ability to pay. So it's not saying, it's not about aiming for perfection. Um, it's just saying that sometimes when you're treating yourself, maybe your treat should be a really good cut of grass-fed beef once in a while, if that's all you can afford, right? You know, maybe if you have some salmon, Maybe once in a while have some wild salmon rather than farmed salmon, right? You know, because if you have wild salmon, you're going to have more omega-3, you're going to have more nutrients, it's going to be better quality fats, the saturated fats are going to be better quality, it's going to be better for you. So, uh, and I think that exists across the board, whatever flavor or persuasion uh, there is when it comes to food quality. So I think that's, in my opinion, I think that's probably... Uh, something that will become more and more of our discussions going forward uh, in this space for sure. I, I agree 100%. I mean, after that conversation on the cruise, I mean, I've always been motivated to eat the best quality of food that I can, but there's been instances where, you know, I'll buy 60 eggs at Sam's Club as opposed to a dozen at Whole Foods because, you know, you get a better deal. But going forward, I think one of the things that I'm going to change is every single thing I consume is going to be the highest quality I can. And it is a bit more expensive, but if you look at the bioavailability and your body's ability to absorb nutrients, you know, you know, pound for pound, you're getting your body is getting more with less quantity if it's got more nutrients yes. in that in that substance, you know. Oh, yes. Yes, that's a I mean that's a fantastic point. And, and um you know, we you know, bioavailability is important. You know, uh, bioabsorption is important. Your ability to your for your body to recognize uh, what what real food is and and the quality of that food and the fact that there's a synergy between different ingredients you know and if and if one doesn't ex- exist or, or one exists in excess it doesn't have the same impact on your body as when there, there's more of a balance between them right so I think it's really important for us to just to ask those questions and, and again it, you know it can become expensive to, to make those decisions but you tend to eat, you know, I tend to eat less, you know, uh, you know, to get the highest quality beef steak, 
I may need to get a smaller cut. But I tell you what, mate, it's, I'm more satisfied with it. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? absolutely. I eat it. I eat slowly. I like. I chew it. I'm like savor the taste. I'm more mindful when I eat it. I appreciate the food more. I'm more gr- grateful and gracious for for, for that food. Um, and I, and I think you know we're we are so privileged to live in the 21st century and have this high availability of food that I don't need to go out and hunt. It's just there. I can click a finger, click a mouse. Food is there for me. So we sometimes don't think about, well, how, where did this actually come from? You know, like, how did they get that chicken, which normally takes, whatever, I don't know, 30 weeks to maturity. How did they get that chicken to mature in nine weeks? Right? That, 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 can't, be, that can't be beneficial to me. You know, if that chicken can't even stand on its legs because, you know what I mean, it's just pumped full of growth hormone and, you know, it's like cooped up in a cage surrounded by, you know, its feces, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the sort of chicken I want to be, I want to be eating, you know, um, which is going to have higher body fat percentage than it would do if it was roaming free, right? Do you know what I mean? Like... That means it's a poor quality fat, right? It's not It's not natural, the natural fat that would exist on that animal if it was wild and free roaming. It'd be very low body fat percentage of that animal. So, yeah. So, for me, I, I'm, I justify spending a bit more of, you know, maybe going to local producers, um, where, and which will bring the cost down. So, if I go to a farmer's market, at the end of the day, sometimes they're giving, they're almost giving their food away because I don't want to take it back with them. They want to sell it. Um, you know, sometimes I buy frozen produce because oftentimes it'll be fresher than fresh produce that you're buying from the supermarket, which has been there for, for days. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, buying some some frozen spinach, say, which is usually far cheaper than fresh, um, can save you money that way. So there, there are definitely ways that you can save money, still improve increase in the quality of the quality of the food. Um, and I just know now that if I have a, a McDonald's patty, I could try to convince myself, oh, well, at least it's meat, right? At least it's meat. But is I it really? Say, oh, at least it's beef. <laughs> but is it really, right? What kind of, you know, what is it exactly? How do they produce it so cheaply, right? What other chemicals do they add to it? You know, um, th- these are the questions you need to ask. Why do they add so many additives and preservatives when if you bought your own mints at home, you'd probably only need to add maybe some seasoning, right? Maybe mm-hmm. maybe some onions, maybe you know, maybe some salt and pepper. Job done. You look at the ingredients list of a McDonald's patty. There's far more than salt and pepper and a couple and onions added. Even when they tell you it's 100% beef. <laughs> yeah. No, I 100% agree, um, man. You said it perfectly. You said it perfectly. Yeah, it we're we're speaking the same language for sure, man. Yeah, and I think. I think it's really important that there's there's a consensus around this because um, you know once you do once you do enter this journey of improving your nutrition, and many of us have had like a, a road to the masses conversion, right? You know, what I mean, I, I was unhealthy, I changed. I mean, I personally, I I, I exercise is my gateway, so I started moving more, my health improved. Then I was like, you know what, I need to fuel my activity because this is not I can't just move to better health right I need to I need to eat better as well mm-hmm. so once I started getting into nutrition um it took me a way to, it took me a while to find out what I really what I believe in now but 
then you kind of think, hold on a second, I can improve upon what I'm eating. You know, this plate of food I have here, I can make a few simple changes and I'm increasing the amount of nutrients significantly. So why shouldn't I, why should I do that? Why shouldn't I use that knowledge to arm myself to make better decisions? Um, and, um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm much more, I'm much more aware of what restaurants I can go to, uh, you know, where I need to prepare my foods for when I'm traveling, you know, I mean, you know, I've, I've done all the hard work before. So now I can pretty much navigate the landscape really easily and not be tempted because I've fallen short. Like, oh my gosh, I've forgotten such and such. Well, oh, I didn't realize there were no restaurants that could cater for me. You know, I'm going to have to deviate from my from my nutritional path. Actually, no, maybe I'm just going to fast. Right? Maybe that's my solution in this case, and I'll be and I'll be fine. I'm not going to starve to death because I haven't eaten for eight hours. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, like um, empowering yeah. others to see. I mean, like the whole diet and lifestyle. It's 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 nothing fancy. Like that's that's the beauty of it. Like we're bringing things back to the very basics, and with it being the basics, we don't need to you know, convolute the, the concept by trying to add in and have this paralysis analysis effect. Like, use what you have available to you. You know, empower yourself to make the most of what you have, whatever your budget is, whatever your equipment is, whatever your availability is, and just, you know, progress at a day-to-day. I mean, that is that is the beauty of what we're trying to do and the message we're trying to spread. And I don't know, man, like, it, it's, it's, it's just there. I'm excited to see people kind of open their eyes to what's been there the whole time and they've just been blinded by it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's some simplicity, right? Because, again, when we think about the the privilege of being in the 21st century space, right, we know far more. Imagine, as human beings, we know far more about food, you know, exercise science, like the human body, than ever before, than anyone else on the planet, right? You know, you go back 100 years, you, you know, you'd be more knowledgeable than anyone at that point, right? <laughs> about mm-hmm. most about most topics, right? You know, it's incredible position to be in, but, but we lose something with that because instead of actually taking a step back and going, some of this is really simple, guys. We're constantly chasing the next best thing, the next, you know, how's the, how can we optimize this rather than thinking, you know what, this is pretty much as good as it's going to get. Right, we're we're such a, a in such a great place to be able to make these decisions. Maybe I don't need to, as you say, you know, that kind of analysis paralysis or kind of information overload. Absolutely. We pretty much know enough, right? Many of us do. Uh, we just need to act on it rather than chasing, you know, chasing more information. Oftentimes, you just need to put into place what we already know that we already know works really well. It's like let's just do it. Um, no, I, well, I agree. Kind of thinking about man. I think uh, I think you you illustrated it perfectly, and, and I really like what you're doing, and just you know empowering people to to use what they have, and just going back to the very basics, like the whole primal play concept. I mean, I think that is a hundred percent the right way to look at it for people that don't want to you know go to the gym setting, they don't want to to focus on the nuts and bolts. Like if they're just wanting to you know improve their health and be fun and have enjoy the, the progress of getting healthier and being better at their day-to-day i mean like they don't need to worry about you know proper deadlift form like just go outside have fun play and um <laughs> everything else will kind of follow suit you know exactly that's you could i couldn't put it better myself um I, yeah that's exactly that's exactly right you know some of us don't need sets and reps 
and you know supersets and you know they don't need to know any of that terminology right and for those that it works fantastic because trust me i just want people to move more so mm -hmm. if you fall in love with movement and you find something that you, you can do and it isn't harmful and you're not over exercising go and continue to do it right and make sure you're having some fun whilst you do it too but for those the majority of people who you tell them hey you know how about going to gym uh -uh. how about putting on your training shoes and going outside and going for a run uh -uh. you know how about sitting on your couch doing nothing oh yeah that sounds like heaven mm -hmm. right those are the people that i that i feel we need to reach out to too because mm -hmm. some of the fitness space can be intimidating you know some of the you know gym memberships might be you know not 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 within someone's budget and when you tell people that the best gym equipment you have is yourself you know imagine that you know i mean no no one else has your body you know you have your body you do mm -hmm. you're in control of that you can make decisions as to what your body can and can't do right um you know you whatever environment you're in that can be your gym so sometimes my living room is my gym, right? Sometimes that's how it is. Sometimes I prefer being outdoors. Sometimes I'm at a hotel and, you know, I'll use the hotel gym. I won't be like, I'm anti-gym. There's no way I'll use a gym. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, I'll use whatever space I can in order to further my my goals of staying active. Um, sometimes it's just, getting, it's just getting out at the chair. <laughs> yeah, and with that, man, the beauty you know of I mean? that is it removes people's excuses. Like so many people make excuses as to why they can't go out and be active yes. because they're traveling, exactly, they don't have exactly. access to a gym. You tell them that, and it's like that's sort of removed as an excuse. Yeah, exa exactly. Can you, you know, like if you think about it, sometimes I remember I would take longer making the decision to go to the gym, getting my, my gym gear, driving to the gym <laughs> mm -hmm. getting changed <laughs> like, you know what i mean that would take more time then looking at my program what i had to do sometimes that would take longer than the actual physical activity i would undertake right yeah and, and you know that's, some that's, of the time time is fun yeah ex exactly exactly so if you're time if you're time pressured maybe get out of your bed you know my dad didn't didn't go to gym in his life he was one of the strongest, I mean, he's still a pretty strong guy. He was one of the strongest men I, I, I've known, ever known in my life, right? He used to get out of bed. He'd do like, you know, knock out 50 push-ups, some squats, did a bit of jump rope, job done. That was his workout regimen every single day, right? He'd ride a bike every now and again. But I tell you what, if there was anything, you know, if we need to move house, he didn't, he didn't hire anyone. Mm -hmm. He'd be moving stuff. Do you know what I mean? He'd be picking up the sofa, you know, like the, the, the TV that was like weighed a ton back in those days. <laughs> you know, he would do that stuff effortlessly. Car would break down. He'd push it by himself and steer the car. Right. You know, so he 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 was just kind of strong, 70 strong, I'd like to call it, because that's when I, I grew up as I was a kid in the 70s. So that he was just formidably strong man just because he just did stuff day to day. You know, I mean, that's all he did. He didn't work out uh, apart from his, you know, he did a bit of what, you know, a bit of push-ups and stuff. Um, but like, yeah, he didn't lift heavy, but he could lift heavy. Yeah. There was something about his potential because uh, it was expected of him. If my mom said, you know, dad, you need to move some stuff. He'd be like, yeah, he wouldn't complain about it. He wouldn't say my muscles are sore. 
you know, he'd be like, yeah, sure. I love, I can't wait to do this stuff. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, And I remember he used to ask, me to do stuff and i'd always be like oh dad you know i'm too weak i'm not built for you know and then i became an adult and i couldn't do stuff and i'd be like why didn't my dad pass on those genes to me and of course i had those genes i just didn't use any of them mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> so so yeah we just need to most of us just need to do more than what we're doing now i agree and, man. and delight I, in it yeah I totally agree totally agree I, we're speaking the same language for sure man um, no, for sure. I, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure uh, uh, speaking to someone of like mind, uh, of like mind for sure. Absolutely, Daryl. It's it's. I've, I've loved having you on here, man. Where, where can people go to find out more about you? Primalplay.com, right? Yeah. So the best place is my blog, Primalplay.com. Um, if you want to find me on social media, I'm known as the Fitness Explorer. So at Fitness Explorer, you can find me. And also Google is. One of my is a good friend of me, my mind at the moment. Uh, if you search for Daryl Edwards, D A R R Y L Edwards, you'll you'll find me uh, without any problems at all. So um, I have some really good free, uh, free content on my website, a free book on the importance of play and how you can kind of create this playful spirit, how you can avoid, you know, being concerned about what everyone else is thinking about you. Um, I also have some a free kind of play out program, so you can. And kind of do explore some of these animal moves and some of these games and there's lots of other good stuff on the on the website too so uh yeah something for everyone for everyone on the on the website Perfect. and some good research as well i hasten to had you know i'll link out to all those too because i really like what you're doing and i want people to you know be exposed to it because i think you know if first and foremost like if you remove the excuse of not being able to be active from people that right there is empowering i mean you can't put a price on that Yes, for sure you can't. And you, I don't know if you've ever been been injured, like you know, to the point where you can't, you literally can't do anything at all, or you've had a back back spasm or something. But the day, the first day, I had really bad low back pain episode, and I remember I was deadlifting and stuff. So I remember thinking, what the heck? You know, I've got a really strong back, but yet, you know, I I tied my shoelace and pulled my back out, right? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't move for about three or four days. It was the worst time of my life. And I spent a few more weeks after that kind of ambling around. Um, you know, so those moments made me realize I want to hold, hold on to whatever I can do for as long as possible. Uh, I want to be functionally capable for as long as I can, have this quality of life as long as I can. Uh, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to take that for granted. So, uh, so yes, I'll do everything I can to share that message and to let people know that just focus on what you can do just take baby steps to begin with then you'll develop your own way right you'll find out what you enjoy what you want to be get better at what your reason for being is you know do you want to have a better time with your grandkids do you want to not say to them no 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 when they ask you to play a game with them when they ask you to pick them up and piggyback carry them do you want to say yes i, I can rather than oh i'm worried about my back or my knees you know, so those real world questions, right, that many people are deliberating about all of the time. You know, oh, my knees, my back, my ankles, my this, my that. I'm tired. I'm fatigued. I, you know, I don't have time to do that. Uh, you'll learn to start creating time because you'll just love the fact you can do stuff and what a blessing that is. And um, there's one thing I probably should add. I have just released a new book called Animal Moves. Uh, so... If you like reading, <laughs> you can get it from all good bookstores and 
all the bad ones as well. So, uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll definitely link out to that one as well, man. I think it's, you know, you're, you're doing it right. You're changing pe- the way people think about activity. And I mean, anything I can do to help spread your word and, and get people involved. I mean, that's, that's the name of the game. Oh, cheers, Robert. It's been a real pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for your, for your time. And, uh, and yeah, it's been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Likewise, man. Well, until next time, brother, we'll be in touch, Daryl. Cheers, mate. Take care.